Greetings, G-Town Radio listeners. Coming to you from the east side of Germantown, you're listening to the award-winning Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. My name is Maleka Fruin, and I'm the community organizer at the Germantown Info Hub and a Germantown neighbor. My esteemed colleague, Rashid, is out this week, but they'll join us again soon. The Info Hub Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org. Tonight, we'll hear about a media partnership engaging with community through in-person conversations. And then we'll hear from two organizations in Germantown that connect with youth in a variety of ways. We begin with an initiative from WHYY and the Free Library of Philadelphia. Together with Community Conversations convener Amir Richardson, facilitating healthy civic exchange, the partnership has hosted community conversations throughout the city of Philadelphia on topics such as reproductive rights, parking, gentrification, gun violence, and more. We got to talk to Amir to find out how these conversations have been going. And even though all the city's conversations have been valuable, why Germantown has a special place in his heart. Let's start the show. Yeah, my name is Amir Richardson, and I serve as the Community Conversations Convener for WHYY. And I'm the lead organizer of, a, of an initiative. It's called Bridging Blocks. Um, and this is an initiative between WHYY and the Free Library here in Philadelphia. Um, and the goal, the North Star, is to get people who disagree into a room to have a conversation. We want to make civic dialogue um, a part of the the cultural tapestry here in Philadelphia. Like, you know, people think of Philadelphia, they think of cheesesteaks, pretzels, all these other different uh, behaviors or food items. And we want civic dialogue to be right in that discussion. We want, you know, culturally speaking, Philadelphia to be known, understood, to have a very, very healthy ecosystem for communities, neighborhoods, and, and, and you know, whoever, clergymen, just everyday people coming together and having civic dialogue and understanding how to engage in idea sharing, even if those ideas are in direct uh, conflict with one another. We try to choose topics that are timely and very germane to not just the geographical location of the city, but also the demographic makeup, you know, concerns and worries and goals of a, of a community that might skew a little bit older, that might skew a little bit more professionally focused um, young professionals or kids or whatever the case may be, but, you know, kind of cutting through all the fancy language. Last year, we had conversations that range from gentrification to reproductive rights to parking, um, gun control. In fact, the last one that we just did in North Philadelphia, Northeast Philadelphia was on gun control. Um, and what I'm finding, to your point about these these topics being very, uh, you know, activating for a lot of people, you know, for the gun control conversation, we wanted to make sure that we had a, a social worker and a therapist present because, you know, we're talking about issues connected to gun violence and, and different, you know, issues around firearms. But that's been a practice that I, I felt like I've had to either outsource to or engage with myself with these different topics because you it's interesting to see how parking can be a very activating um, conversation how gentrification can be a very sensitive and activating conversation and so I'm always mindful of you know having to kind of hold space for people's anxieties fears 
straight up and down anger. Um, and it's been kind of like step one in the many steps that that's just trying to get people to have conversations with one another away from devices and away from apps. Oftentimes, this comes up for me every time I program a conversation, and that is, oh, people aren't as divided as we we're told. You know what I mean? Like, you know, again, my job is to get people who are on opposite ends of an issue and to get them into a room and to have a conversation. But across Philadelphia, you know, a lot of the values are pretty much in line. You know what I mean? Like people want to take care of their families. They want to live peacefully. They want, you know, recreational things to be within arm's reach and, and accessible and resources and so on and so forth. Like that, that's kind of across the line and across the board. I would say another surprising thing is uh, the ideas and the thoughtfulness of these community members. You know, we had a conversation about parking in South Philadelphia and someone came up with an idea that um, there should be a specific bus line for grocery shopping. There just should be a bus route for grocery shopping. And they said that would eliminate parking on the street. That would eliminate parking in, you know, big, wide open parking lots. And I was like, that's brilliant. You know, I'm bogged down by the work of just programming conversations throughout the year. But I mean, if I had time, I would try to like start a, you know, a venture capital situation around that. Like, you know, that's just such a brilliant idea that I imagine could be invested in to really make a community space a little bit more efficient and a little bit more people feel like that they're being heard and that their ideas can actually change the surrounding areas. And I know the problems that communities face, they want to see change 5 p.m. today. You know what I mean? Like they want to see it right now and rightfully so. You know, these are communities historically, socially, institutionally have been left out, oppressed, divested in, ignored, attacked even. And so I do understand that. And it's it's hard for me to like hold space for that, but also kind of introduce the complexity of, hey, it's not going to happen overnight. Because sometimes I don't even want to hear that. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm being real, I don't even want to hear that. But it's truth. And I do think that these conversations, they don't need to just be one-offs. They need to be continual. Kind of going back to what I was saying before, it needs to be a culture. It just needs to be something that happens day after day after day after day. And kind of understood, too, that these changes that we want to see are so huge and so big that they just can't happen quickly. They have to happen in those small incremental changes. It's not a it's not an answer that anybody like really feels comfortable with. And, you know, sometimes I don't even feel comfortable with it. But I do know that that work is incredibly valuable. Um, the work of, again, idea sharing and really just cutting through it all, developing empathy. I think mm -hmm. much of what's missing on a local level and on a national level is literally empathy. Like just understanding that these are human beings, not numbers, not figures, not charts, not, you know, pie graphs. These are lived, these are people with lived experiences, roots, history. And we have to, you know, take action in such a way where everyone's needs can be met. Now, everyone's needs is diverse, but it doesn't mean that we can't behave in ways, communicate in ways, and build systems in ways that can meet needs. And it's a long road, but I know um, something that is just vital is is communicating because people's uh, experiences need to be communicated. And if you're not you know, speaking about it, people will forget about you. People will just kind of be like, oh, you're not there. 
there are unforeseen reasons to continue to have these community conversations that I don't even know about. And I stumble upon it. You know, I had a conversation um, when I first kind of came into WHYY about allyship. Um, and we had someone there from the hard of hearing community and someone there from the returning citizens uh, community. And somewhere in that space, it was kind of understood that like, you know, if you're hard of hearing and you get arrested or take it into custody, there's a gap for the services that are needed for people who have hearing issues or who can only speak via uh, ASL. And it, there's just overlap there. And it, that was something that I kind of discovered where our needs and our issues and our struggles, they overlap. Um, and the only way to find that out is to, to speak, is to conversate, is to share those stories. And so, yeah, sometimes the conversations are tense, but I try to tell people like, this shouldn't be a one-off conversation. These should be continual. The the act of continuously engaging and continuously humanizing people's uh, stories and experiences. People are action-oriented, especially Philadelphians. They want to see something done immediately. And so I will say that is where the work is for me. I need to you know, program these conversations in, in ways where people feel like they're taking action and where there's action items on the back end of the conversation as well. That was definitely something that came up multiple times. But I think something that is working and it seems so small, you know, and maybe it is small. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll let the audience kind of conclude on that. But people don't feel heard. People feel left out. People feel discredited, discounted, all those different things. And legitimately, when you hold space and they walk into the room, they're like, thank you so much for, for this event. Thank you so much for listening. And I think that's huge. I think that's big because, um, I mean, it's not about validation or anything like that, but it is about witnessing people, like, you know, seeing them and observing them and knowing, knowing that they're real, they're human, and that they play a role into all these different issues and not ignoring that. These conversations, you know, and I, I kind of believe that and know that, but I think it's for the work of of the general audience because we're all consumed by speaking to one another through devices. You know what I mean? And it's certainly connected the world and, and has globalized a lot of different resources and ideas, but it's super important for people to sit down with another human, you know what I mean? And, and practice that process of getting to know them I don't know your experience and I might even disagree with it let me take a moment to learn it and and you still might come out on the other end completely against it but at least you have humanized their experience a little bit and instead of like attacking them you can start you know finding out ways to to soothe or ease whatever human condition they might be you know moving through I do think it's important work. I'm reminded of it every time we have these conversations. You know, we have one coming up uh, March 29th. It's going to be in Germantown at the Ubuntu uh, Art, Art Center, the gallery. And it's really good to be in those spaces like that. That's not like a, a city building. That's not a store necessarily, right? Like it's a trusted community venue with trusted community figures. And, and, and in part, they're kind of leading the conversation. I'm just there to make sure that people don't scream at one another. <laughs> Germantown is special, special to me. You know, my mom and my grandmother live in Germantown. If I'm not mistaken, Germantown is one of the most diverse spots in Philadelphia, uh, one of the most diverse areas. And so when we're talking about different lived experiences, you know, 
when you have a conversation in Germantown, you're talking about an array of of experiences. You know, people living high up on the economic ladder, down low on the economic ladder. You know, um, all kinds of lifestyles and, and diets and activities, and you can go hiking in Germantown. Um, and the landscape shifts in in many different ways in Germantown that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really do that in other parts of the city. And so there's a lot to discover and learn. And what we'll, and we had a conversation in Chestnut Hill, you know, adjacent to a part of. I'll let people in Germantown figure that out. <laughs> um, and and. And we were at Joseph E. Coleman Library. We're going to be right back. We were at the Germantown Historic Society talking about preserving history. And so it's really important to tap into these different experiences because, again, it's just one of the most diverse spots, the Northwest um, of Philadelphia, that, that we have. And it's growing and it's kind of at the intersection of, of all these different issues like 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 gun violence, unfortunately, like like gentrification and development education, even the schools and the, and the institutions that kind of exist in, in, the, in that area really pull out this conversation about who's being invested in and um, who's not. And I think sometimes those things need to be kind of said as plainly as possible. This is what, you know what I mean? And, and I think that comes out through conversation and when people share their experiences. And like, you know, you talk, you talk about like the housing development, but also you know, I, I kind of think about public transportation in Germantown, you know, that 23 line and the inefficiencies and the efficiencies and, and just kind of moving around the physical space. Germantown just has so much to talk about. And I haven't even talked, uh, tapped into the the arts and, and the culture and, you know, uh, the food, all these different things. And so, yeah, Germantown is, you know, when we make these uh, dockets and we like kind of look at the year and, and where we we want to program at Germantown is like at least we have to do it twice at bare minimum we have to program twice in Germantown because there's just so much going on March 29th we're at Mbutu we're going to be discussing gentrification and we were in Germantown October of last year so this is a continuation of that conversation right I think I mentioned one of the challenges is making sure that people feel like action is being taken and so while I can't promise anything from WHYY side, like, hey, we're going to take this money and throw it to this and, and activate here, you know, we really do want to invest in in conversating, though, in, in the civic dialogue and developing that. And a part of that is educating people, right? There's so much going on in uh, Germantown specifically. Uh, Cindy Bass, as, as I'm sure you know, as a representative of that area, and people are trying to figure out what's going on with like historical sites. People are trying to figure out what's going on with housing and zoning and different things like that. And so through these conversations, I know at the very least we can we can educate people because I think change happens so fast in Philadelphia. Like the city looks different from one day to the next that, you know, you don't even know why it happened or when it's going to happen next. And so I think having an understanding of the of the laws and the the legislation and, and 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 different things like that is helpful so that's what we want to program into the conversation and that's what we will be programming into the conversation on march 29th at mbutu you know with the rest of the year we we again try to focus on issues that are like very very focused on the the pocket of the city that we're we're going to be in and so uh you know after that gentrification is just unfortunately 
rampant around the city. So we're going to be discussing that as well in different parts of the city. More topics that we're getting into, dirt bikes and ATVs. Again, that's something that you can kind of almost program anywhere in the city. Gun control, reproductive rights, you know, other community conversations that we're kind of like ideating over and developing you know, gender roles in, in, in our community and, and do, are they still, you know, reasonable? Is it still like something that, that we need or should we start moving away from that? And yeah, just many different topics that we're kind of always throwing around at the office, trying to make sure that we're up on time. And cause, you know, I think recently there was a viral video of a kid who got accepted to Morehouse in Germantown, you know, he's running up and down. He's like excited. But I think on the heels of that story breaking was another story about, you know, student loan debt still being crippling to a lot of people. And so it kind of has this juxtaposition of like, you know, college being this great, you know, North Star for, you know, uh, career growth and generational wealth building and so on and so forth. But at the same time, it also holds this issue of student loan debt and it crippling people and holding people back from from generational wealth. And so it just begs the question, like, is secondary education still a, a viable option for people, you know, and is it is it reasonable to even want to go to college anymore, um, especially given the success of many different people who kind of opt out and maybe go a different route? We'll be at uh, Ubuntu Arts right on Germantown Avenue. I think it's a couple of doors down from Uncle Bobby's. And you can find out more at whyy.org. Uh, you can easily, I think, put in community conversations. And not only will you find out about bridging blocks, but all the community engagement that WHRY is doing. Their larger effort beyond civic dialogue and what I'm working on is to make sure that the reporting is informed by community members directly. When we're at these conversations, it's also an opportunity for community members to straight up and down write op-eds, opinion pieces, or you know, speak to a reporter directly about what's going on, boots on the ground in these communities. Thank you so much for joining us today, Amir. It has been a pleasure and I hope to see you later this month talking about gentrification. Germantown Info Hub, we try to highlight community assets. These could be organizations, informal groups, recreation centers, and even individuals. Our community assets connect us to what folks in our area are doing as part of our civic and cultural landscape. We see how neighbors and citywide leaders are working on solutions to issues our communities face, and we get to explore what's working and why it's working. Tonight, we hear from two community organizations that are connecting with youth in our area and beyond. Yes and Collaborative Arts uses performing arts experiences to create community and empower young people. We'll hear from Yes and's Executive Director, Chris Herman, about some of their latest updates and what they're excited about this year in their artistic programming. And then we'll hear from Monica Quarry, Executive Director of the Horizons at Green Street Friends School Program. Horizons is a nationwide organization that has five locations in Philly. The Horizons location at Green Street Friends has partnered with two local Germantown schools to provide free summer camp enrichment programs that include academic 
and cultural experiences connected to our neighborhood and beyond. We'll hear from Chris Herman first and then Monica Quarry. So I'm Chris Herman. I'm the executive director here at Yes And over on Washington Lane. And I've been with the organization for 16 years. Yes And Collaborative Arts is a youth-centered organization that creates community through performing arts experiences. Our programs provide arts education for children in uh, kindergarten through 12th grade, utilizing our intentional community building pedagogy. And at Yes And, we believe there should be no barriers for youth to discover their unique perspectives because the future depends on compassionate, curious, and courageous leaders. So we do that through amplifying the voices and stories of our young people and nurture their agency to create change in their current and future communities. So we uh, just finished the run of our original musical called All Hands on Deck. Um, that show uh, premiered 10 years ago. And so this was a remount for us. Um, and it is really just a wild and crazy imaginative musical um, for kids and families, right? There's pirates, there's imaginary friends, there's drama, there's comedy, um, there's audience participation, right? Everyone in the audience got a ping pong ball that at an exact moment on cue, they had to throw it towards the stage to take, you know, take out the captain who, you know, they decided was the bad guy. And it's just so much fun. Um, and this was our first production back in person and stage for this program. Um, we've been virtual for the last couple of years. We were shocked at uh, our audience numbers. They were higher than they even were in 2020, right before everything shut down. Lots of kids and a lot of great feedback. Um, but I think one of the coolest things for me is that this year we joined Art Reaches program where anyone with an access card um, can come to the performance for a discounted price of just $2 a ticket. We were really excited about that, but we weren't sure how it was going to go. 15, over 15% 15 of our audience ended up coming via their access cards and not just one or two people in a party, right? Bringing three, four people, bringing kids. And it just showed us like, nope, this is, this is a great tool to making the arts accessible, especially here in the Northwest where you know, we don't have tons of theaters that we have downtown, right? There's not as many options. Um, so to have a, you know, an option for a family to go do something, you know, see a performance at a discounted price, we saw, you know, that it was just like so beneficial. So we're really excited that we were able to do that this time. On the basic level, right? What do the arts do for us? The arts are really so much about who we are as people, what makes us human. It's how we can connect to the world around us. It's how we can um, really understand ourselves and uh, have an outlet, right, for all the stuff inside of us. Um, so on a basic level, right, the arts, uh, I think it's even Art Reach who says this, right, the arts are a human right, right? Like we, we all have, we are all artists. Unfortunately, because in society, we view art almost as this like upper class, like you need to have access to it that is just perpetuated over time that it's expensive to participate in the arts. And so, you know, we as a, you know, arts organization for kids who are essentially building that next generation of, of artists and building art audiences, we, you know, want to make sure that that's true for everyone because we believe it should be true for everyone. So we, you know, we are committed as even our, our mission says, like we are committed to removing barriers um, because we think everyone should have access because it is, it's what, it's what makes life so much 
richer. Um, and, you know, arts just aren't, aren't accessible. We just view them as, you know, society views them as this thing that, you know, we have to, we have to constantly, it's, it's just reserved for the upper class. And all that to say, we think the arts should be incredibly accessible to everyone because it is, you know, so basic to who we are as people. I think also too, COVID really showed us um, that art is in everything um, and how we all access the arts every day. We just may not realize it. So, um, so we just finished our musical, which is our winter sort of thing. So in the summer, we do a summer sort of thing. And so this is, uh, we've been doing it for six summers and we perform it actually out here in Germantown in our, we call it our backyard, which is the lovely home and field, which a lot of people don't know exists. And um, it's between like Washington and Pomona and Cherokee. Um, and it's a beautiful field. Of course, if you go there right now, it's a little under construction because the water department is doing a really great project over there. Yeah, so we do it in the backyard. So it's a little, you know, similar to like, say, like Shakespearean Clark Park-ish, you know, an outdoor performance. But we use one of our original musicals. For us, it's a, you know, it's a free event. Um, it's a great way that we connect with our neighbors and connect with the community right here in our own backyard. And so this year will be our seventh production. And yeah, we got a grant from the National Endowment of the Arts, which feels really exciting. Um, it supports both the production, but also the program that leads up to it, um, which is a four-week program for middle and high school kids who come and it's, you know, your traditional musical theater camp. They have a script, they get their role and they practice. But then for us, that production of, you know, having it free for our neighbors, you know, just takes it one step further and again, makes the arts accessible here in Germantown. They can go to yesandcamp.org. If they're interested in the program, they're going to look for the sort of thing program to get more information about that. And soon we'll have more information up about the uh, performance, which happens in July uh, 26th, 27th, and 28th. Our summer camp called our Summer Theater and Imagination Camp, and there's two of them. One is Imagination Camp for kindergarten through fourth graders, and then Theater Camp is for fifth through eighth graders. Um, we offer a variety of one-week options, three-week options. Kids can come for, you know, the entire summer. For us, it is a, a great avenue for people to get plugged into Yes And. We, you know, we just have fun. We play, we create, we get messy. Uh, you know, with different age groups, we're trying to accomplish different things, right? So for our imagination campers, you know, we are just looking to create that like classic summer experience where they just come and get to like be imaginative. We want to hear that they want to go to the moon. And so we're going to figure out how, you know, to make that possible with our activities and imagination. With our theater campers, we get a little more structured. So we go through more specific classes each day. So they'll have a movement class, they'll have an acting class. Um, and they are usually working towards some sort of larger presentation, whether it be a play, whether it be a art gallery. Um, one year we did a zine, you know, intensive. And so we had a zine library at the end of the week. And uh, yeah, so they're looking towards, you know, something more concrete that they are project that they're working towards um, during that time. So yeah, we do it on sliding scale from as little as someone paying $0 all the way up to the top of the sliding scale, which the direct cost of camp is $320 a week. Um, we do encourage families who have a financial means that if they can pay above $320, it helps to offset the cost of those um, who can't afford the direct costs. But we also make it really easy, right? So we're not going to grill you on all of your financials. It's a very simple process that you can complete while you register, where you basically just tell us what you can pay or if you need a full scholarship. We want the power to be in our family's hands. We don't need to get into their financials. We want them to come to us and say, like, this is what we 
can afford. And we say, great, that's what, that's what it's going to be because, you know, we want that, we want that to be true. And we want people to feel empowered with their choice and feel good about their choice. We've been around the city a lot um, in our 25 years of doing summer camps. Um, and I think when Germantown really became the home for us um, in 2012, you know, we were looking at like this area is so diverse across like so many spectrums. Um, and for us, one of the things we really are passionate about is bringing kids together whose lives may not otherwise cross, right? We're so segmented in so many ways. And so how do we get the kid who goes to the private school down the street into the same room as the kid who goes to the public school, right? And how do we, how do we uh, help kids understand that um, those barriers are just things that society has thrown out there um, and that it's actually prohibiting us from wider change and better stories and better experiences. And so when we looked at this area, right, this is a really classic example of that, of kids, you know, who, you know, go to private school, kids who go to public school and, you know, they're just, they just never uh, interact with each other. And so I think what we want to bring to the wider community is a place where one, right, like those barriers can get thrown out the window um, and kids are taught to value each other and what they bring so that, right, through learning that experience, through building community with each other, that they then can go out into the wider community and look for places that also do that and can cultivate spaces that do that so that, you know, hopefully, right, we're trying to build a better world here where, you know, they can, they can be the ones who are leading the way and ensuring that we're building a better world for all of us. And so I think, yeah, carving out that little piece of, of Germantown to do that work, um, then hopefully see it spread, I think is great. And then I think too, like, you know, like we talked about, the arts are so crucial to who we are as people. And so just providing that for people in this neighborhood is really important to us. You know, also providing a space for kids to find a place where they belong and where they are welcomed and accepted. Um, because, you know, we keep seeing study after study about how our kids are really struggling with connection and with feeling like they're valued and, and they belong. Um, and so, you know, creating that space where that is true. Anyone can come regardless of anything uh, and find a place where they where they belong. We are coming up on summer, so we are about to open our summer camp registration. So summer camp registration opens on March 15th and it stays open until all the spots are full. And I think the only other program I didn't get to talk about is our high school program, which is for, it's called Shadow Company. It's for high school students. Um, and that program is our year round uh, arts intensive training program. So it's happening currently. It just kind of keeps happening and keeps happening. Um, but our high school students are currently recruiting for that program to get more students to join this spring and this summer when they have their intensive. So I think uh, that's just another plug. So if you have a high school student, know a high school student who's interested in the arts, or leadership, it's a great program. And it is, uh, that program is a no cost uh, program for high school students. So my name is Monica Quarry. I am the executive director of Horizons at Green Street Friends School. Horizons is a nationally renowned 
program. It started in the 1960s in New Canaan, Connecticut. In the 1990s, they felt very strongly that this program should be replicated nationwide, and they began to expand. Our site was founded in 2016. We had one single inaugural class of 15 kindergarten students, and it is a longitudinal academic summer enrichment program. It's a lot of adjectives. So that means that each summer our students return from the year prior and they grow with us starting from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. And after the their summer of eighth grade, they graduate from the Horizons program and they go on to their respective high schools. So we run for six weeks each summer we split the day into two blocks. Half the day is dedicated to academics. We focus on literacy, mathematics, and STEM. The other half of the day is focused on enrichment programs. We do a field trip every single week. We have culturally relevant assemblies every week. Swimming is a large component of our program. We will be swimming at LaSalle University this summer. We have three instructional days of swimming every single week for every one of our classes. And then we also have specials classes. We have karate, we have steam, we have art classes. And our students, like I said, are with us for those six weeks from pre-kindergarten through this year. Our oldest students will be in seventh grade. So that means they just finished seventh grade last year. They are going into eighth grade in the fall of 2023. We have about 15 students in each class with one lead teacher and one teacher associate. And we're just really excited for our program to begin and to be able to continue to serve the students in Germantown, which is where the majority of our families come from. And we're just, yeah, we're really excited about it. So Horizons at Green Street Friends School, our mission is to advance educational equity by building long-term partnerships with students, families, communities, and schools to create experiences outside of school that inspire the joy of learning. And what that really means is that a lot of our students are not able to have equity in terms of access to educational resources, and so we are trying to close that equity gap while still instilling a joy in learning so that the students are going to be lifelong learners. It is 100% free for anybody who is participating in our program. I do 100% of the fundraising and we try to focus on students that live in the community that their families are very dedicated to their children's academics while still wanting them to have those enrichment activities in the summer and families that would really receive a lot by participating in this program and may not otherwise be able to participate in a program such as ours. So we're actually one of five sites in the city of Philadelphia. We have a regional office that supports us because there are so many of our sites. We are the second largest site, the other largest, and the first Horizons in Philadelphia is at Episcopal Academy. And I think what makes our site unique is that we 
at Green Street are operating in the same neighborhood that our students live in. So our families will walk here in the mornings. They will walk to pick their students up. When we have community events, it is within the community that our students are already living in. And I think that that has really created a unique culture and environment that continues beyond just the summer for our students, our staff, and the Green Street community. Because being a part of Horizons also is part of Green Street Friends School's mission. And we want to make sure that our communities are working in tandem together. And it's really one of collaboration. Usually a Horizon site will partner with one to two schools. Usually that's not always the case. And we do that so that we can have some continuity from the school year into the summer. And it's then makes it a little bit easier to communicate with that school so that we can, again, continue that same level of education. We can see where they ended the school year with. The students are familiar with each other. So we partner with Mastery at John Wister and Mastery at Pickett. They are both, however, the local community schools, although they are currently being run by Mastery Charter Schools. From an enrichment program side of things, some of the programs that we have been very proud of is our STEAM program. Last year, we had a STEAM teacher. She came for only one week. That was all the availability that she had, but she met with every class every single day, and she has worked with NASA. She has taken uh, STEM professional development classes in Europe, and she is an amazing asset to our community. She came in and she did some of the coolest hands-on activities with our students, building roller coasters, making slime, learning about um, learning about coding, robotics. And the students were so engaged in her lessons. They were not even aware of the STEM side that they were learning about because they were just so excited to be in that classroom doing those experiments. And at the end of it, when they realized how much they had learned, I think they were really surprised. So that's definitely a program. We're doing it again this summer. And I'm really, really looking forward to being able to continue with that program. And then I think another piece is we just really appreciate being able to have our weekly culturally relevant assembly. So we have Los Bomberos de la Calle. They came last year. They taught us about um, a little bit of Puerto Rican history and the music that has traditionally been a part of their history and culture. So that was really neat. We had Karen Smith and the drummers come again, teaching us about the history of drums and how they came from Africa to what is now known as the United States. Seeing that historical and cultural piece woven into the assemblies that our students are able to participate in, that's something that we just really love. And this summer, we're actually doing two new assemblies. One, we just plan on having a group of professionals in the community that will have similar identities to our students. So 
BIPOC. And we're just really excited to be able to give our students an opportunity to see people that look like them, that may come from a similar background as them, may identify in a similar way, teach them about the diverse career choices that they have available to them and ask more questions and see if that's something that they themselves are interested in. So that's an assembly we're excited about. And then another one is a friend of mine, actually, I went to Villanova University. That's where I graduated from. He also went to Villanova and they created a TV series that is now a movie called Old Heads. It's Tony Chanel and Joshua Meekins. They came during Black History Month. We worked in collaboration with Green Street Friends School and they showed clips from the TV show and just had like an open discussion with the students and the families. And that's something else that I really enjoy bringing pieces of Philadelphia and having our students see our city from a new lens, while also, again, seeing people that look and identify similarly to them and having that cultural kind of marriage (laughs) in these assemblies that I think is just really neat for us to see our kids doing. And of course, our swimming program. It's great to see them grow week after week, feel more confident with being in the water. And I'm very excited that we have now begun a partnership with LaSalle University. We will be swimming at LaSalle University, utilizing their facilities. We will have our own lifeguards who will be overseeing the curriculum side, but we're just really grateful that they are allowing us use of their facilities this year. I think it's it's in the community that we are serving. It's just really nice for them to be on campus and have that exposure. I can think of a few families who, because they are at Horizons, their students have grown. So for example, we had a student last summer came to us and was actually at risk of either having to repeat the grade or of possibly having to look at a different educational institution because they were reading below grade level. And we have been blessed to have really amazing, passionate educators who are invested in our students academically. And our first grade teacher who has actually been up for awards from Horizons because she is such an amazing educator. Her name is Mrs. Janelle Small. She worked with this student throughout the entire summer and with the help of her teacher associate, um, Eric Brown, who's actually going to be one of our lead teachers this summer because he grew so much as an educator. And with their help, that student in six weeks grew five reading levels and is no longer at risk of having to repeat a grade, is able to stay at her current academic institution, and just made huge strides from a reading perspective. And then I have a second student. So this was one of the first summers that we have had a reading, excuse me, a math specialist. So we had two reading specialists last summer and a math specialist. And the math specialist really focused on our students in third, fourth, fifth and sixth grade. And he really tried to work with these students on the math foundations because everything just builds in math from the very beginning. Like if you don't know how to add, you're not gonna be able to subtract. You're not gonna be able to multiply. You're not gonna be able to do fractions. And because he went in with that mindset of let's start from the beginning, after one one one-on-one lesson with a student, that student looked at him and said, I had never 
thought about it that way before. I have never had a teacher who taught me math in this way. And it was like a light bulb went off. And last year, our students grew on average almost four months in math in over a six week period. So you can see the results immediately at how much they're learning. I think another thing that I just really like to touch on is that we try to be very cognizant of where we go on our field trips. I already spoke about the culturally relevant assemblies, but also our field trips. We do try to do fun things, but we also try to go and support local businesses in the community. So WIC, somewhere that we have walked to in previous years and been able to just learn about the history and be on site there. We also have had Briarbush come and visit us. Last year, they brought a planetarium. And we have also tried to partner with local like community gardens and have our students learn more about how urban farming is this really unique way to approach like sustainability in food, local produce, and what our students have available to them right in their backyard. Because we do actually offer our students breakfast, lunch, and a snack every single day. And we try to make sure that who we're partnering with views food the same way that we do and that we are looking at sustainability. We want to support a local organization. We want to support an organization that is utilizing local produce. This year, our partner is Mason's Meals. And we also try to do family style because we want to allow our students that independence to choose like what they're putting on their plate. And is that something that I'm interested in eating and give them food choices that are nutritious, but also are going to be something that they are interested in eating because you can't learn if you're hungry. So we do maintain the relationships with our families, with our students during the academic school year as well. We have offered everything from tutoring twice a month. We do community activities. We all went and saw Wakanda together, which was very fun. We rented out a theater. We also do a holiday gift giving kind of celebration. We do Friendsgiving. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we did a collaborative event with Green Street Friends School for Black History Month. So we make sure that we are still offering our parents resources. We are giving our students those same resources beyond the six weeks in the summertime. We have a lot of ways to get involved. If you are local to Green Street Friends School and would like to volunteer your time, we are always happy to have volunteers working with us throughout the six weeks for one day, for a few days, whatever you have timing-wise available to us, we'll be happy to have you. We, of course, are always looking for donors this is a completely free summer academic program and 100% of the funds go into this program and 100% of them are fundraised. So any additional help that we can have is greatly appreciated. We are looking at our day of giving, which will be Thursday, May 4th. Last year, we were blessed. We raised over $36,000. Our hope this year is that we can bring that even higher to $50,000.
and we are hosting our first annual spring garden party on Thursday, May 11th. It will be held at the Aubrey Arboretum, which is again, a local community business. And you can find out more about that event and purchase tickets on our website which is horizonsgreenstreetfriends.org. So we really hope that you will support us in any of those ways. If you're a local business owner, we have sponsorship packages available and we're always interested in building those corporate partnerships. So please feel free to reach out if this is an organization and mission that resonates with you and you feel strongly about finding a way to give back to the community, to participate in this program, to help us grow and continue to be successful. So thank you. I just wanna thank the Germantown community. I am very new to the role. I started in May of 2022. And just in my short time, as I have met more members of the community, community leaders, and that goes even beyond Germantown, I have had nothing but an overwhelming welcome to the Germantown community, to Green Street Friends School, to the Horizons community, and just seeing the way that people are already starting to come together and find ways to support the program, to help us to continue to be successful. It's really been a beautiful thing to see and just gives me a lot of hope for our program, for Germantown as a community, especially as we are all coming out of the last few years, seeing people come together and work together positively and in collaboration. It's, I hope, what will be more permeable throughout the city. That's it, folks. This has been the Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. If you have a story you want to hear covered, please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com or text infohub to 73224 to start asking us questions. We encourage listeners to text the equally informed Philly text line, another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia services. Equally informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Their team works to bridge the information divide, reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information to live and thrive in Philly. They also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed provides a community-driven print newsletter and the Equal Info Line, a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. To start asking questions, you can text equal info to 73224. This is Maleka Fruin signing off. Good night, Germantown.